Morning, everyone. Glad to see you all here gathered on this side and no one on that side. <laughs> so as uh, Andrew said, this week we'll be answering a question uh, as uh, Stuart, Jeff, and I have been. Um, the question uh, was asked after Dave Panton's um, sermon on human depravity. During our dialogue, the question was raised, how do you store up treasures in heaven? So this morning, we'll be looking at this question in, in depth. Um, and like I said, the passage is Matthew 6, 19 to 24. So stand with me as we read that. Hey, Dex, it's a little dark up here. Uh, do not store up for yourselves treasures in, on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So those of you that have the red letter edition of the Bible already know that that's Christ speaking. Um, sorry, you may be seated. <laughs> You're all like, what do we do? <laughs> Um, <laughs> what's that? That's right. I, I appreciate it. <laughs> thank you, thank you, Nicole. I appreciate that. Um, in in this passage, it's part of the a Sermon on the Mount. Um, he's addressing the crowds that have gathered, uh, obviously along with the disciples who are are with him at this point. Um, and the first verse, we're given a command. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. Christ is making it clear to us that earthly possessions lack any lasting value, and chasing them is futile. So consider for a moment uh, how quickly our earthly possessions, no matter how well built or how good quality they may be, can be destroyed. Um, here in Alberta, over the last few years, we certainly have a couple examples of natural disasters where uh, individuals in High River uh, in, during the flood and individuals living in Fort Mac during the fire um, lost everything in, in a short matter of weeks. Um, it, that's a good example of um, how futile it is to chase uh, um, earthly possessions. Um, and I'm sure in our own lives we can each think of an example of something that we've purchased uh, and we're quite excited to get uh, that did not last nearly as long as we thought it would when we purchased it. Um, for me, I know my phone has an awful tendency uh, of breaking and start glitching and, you know, software issues. I'm sure Kevin can explain what the problem is. I have no idea. It just I know it doesn't work well before I think it should. Um, and uh, I think, I sometimes wonder if maybe the, the uh, manufacturers have done this so that we're back in their stores buying a newer phone sooner than we should be. Um, 
Proverbs actually also warns of this. Uh, just get the slide here. Oops. Proverbs 23, 4, and 5. Do not, do not weary yourself to gain wealth. Cease from your consideration of it. Cast but a glance at riches, and they are gone. For they will surely sprout wings and fly off to the sky like an eagle. Instead, Christ challenges us to do exactly the opposite. To store up treasures in heaven where there is lasting and eternal value. Uh, I recall my first year at Bible College um, at Cape Henry uh, in England. As a lecturer there had an analogy that I'm going to steal. I don't quite recall who it was, but I believe that it was uh, Charles Price. Um, he was trying to help uh, the young studious minds understand uh, what eternity was like. Um, I know that even for myself now, uh, I struggle with that thought. Okay, what's eternity actually like? We're, we're so stuck in the here and now um, and in the moment and thinking about, you know, we're, we're lucky if we think in the next few years ahead, usually we're thinking this week, uh, this month, and that's kind of the extent of it. Um, we leave our Christmas shopping to the last minute because we're not thinking that far ahead. So the analogy that he uh, drew was, uh, was this. Uh, imagine all the sand on all the beaches and in all the deserts in the world. That's eternity, okay? Now imagine a single grain of sand on your fingertip, just barely visible to your naked eye. That is our lifetime. So when you compare those two, there's a, a vast difference. Uh, even that's not a perfect analogy because if you were to um, measure all that sand, it would take a lifetime or two, uh, but it's not infinite. Eventually you would come up with a number, there is this much sand. So uh, it, it's, it's just an illustration of um, eternity so that we can understand a little better what it's like. Uh, the dictionary also defines eternity as infinite or unending time, time that never ends or has no limits. Uh, we can see the futility in storing up treasures on earth and the importance of storing up treasures in heaven now, um, but you're going to ask, okay, what exactly does that mean? How do we store up treasures uh, in heaven and not on earth? So the NIV uh, uses the word store up. My assumption is that most of you have the NESV. It uses the words lay up. Um, so uh, a synonym for store up is to hoard, to amass or to accumulate. Um, you get the idea. I'm sure you've watched the hoarders show. Uh, they've accumulated far too much in their houses and there's little trails through and, and the rest of it's stacked to the ceiling and junk that they really don't need. need. So this is what we're not to do. Um, so let's consider for a moment what the opposite of accumulating or amassing or hoarding would be. Uh, does anybody have any ideas of what it might mean uh, to do the opposite of hoarding? Okay, minimally. Minimally. Pardon? Discard. Discard, sure. Maybe there's something you could do with that same stuff, though, other than discard it. Absolutely. So, can you just say it a little louder, honey? Be generous and share. Be generous and share. Awesome. So, 
if hoard is uh, what Christ doesn't want us to do, then because of the passage and the context, being generous is what he does want us to do. Um, generosity is really an attitude towards what one has that expresses itself in what one does with his or her wealth and riches. I'll say that again. Generosity is really an attitude towards what one has that expresses itself in what one does with his or her wealth and riches. So, a few questions to ask ourselves. If someone were to look at our bank statements, would it be obvious to them that we are generous and we have a generous attitude with what's in our bank account? Would it be easily seen? Would it be evident to them? Do we regularly give to God of all our income? Or, or do we regularly get audited by the CRA? Because in a world where money is everything, they find it odd that we are so generous. What about our generosity to others? Do we lend out what we have? Or do we hide it from our friends because we're worried that they may not return it or they may damage it in some way? Not only are we to be generous, but we are to do it joyfully rather than out of resentment. Let's look at Hebrews 10, 34 for an example of joy in giving. I'm going to start at verse 32. Remember those earlier days after you had received the light when you endured in a great conflict full of suffering. Sometimes you were publicly exposed, exposed to insult and persecution, and other times you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You suffered along with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation, confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. This is, when I read this, I, I was actually stunned to see the word joyfully there because I suspect not many of us in this room would let someone take our possessions, our home or whatever it may be, joyfully. But that's what the Hebrews did. Um, and Paul is reminding them of that. So, some of you may be wondering, okay, that's great, we've got to be generous with our stuff. Uh, we need to be generous with our things. What if we are in a financial position where we don't have room to be generous, where every dollar is spoken for and we're barely making it through? Your starting wealth has nothing to do with whether or not one can store up treasures in heaven. Uh, the story of the widow's mite comes to mind. Mark 12, 41 to 44. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, poverty put in everything. All she had to live on. Um, when I was talking to Andrew and to uh, Dan Jansen, um, working through the passage, working through the sermon, um, they both actually gave, Andrew and Dan, both gave examples of where uh, 
they had gone to, or people had gone to a, a third world country, um, and the, the host, the place where uh, Andrew was staying, uh, was generous to the point where they sacrificially gave something that they would now have to do without. Uh, that is a way that we can give, if we're in a position where we can't afford to give much, we can skip a meal and give to somebody that needs it. Um, I'm, I'm often, I'm sure if you've been a Christian a long time, you've heard similar stories where uh, some North Americans uh, go to a third world country and these uh, individuals, Africa or otherwise, uh, prepare a meal and it, they, they lay out this extravagant feast and, and uh, even though uh, as North Americans we're very well fed and generally speaking third world countries are not so well fed, these, uh, the hosts um, that are hosting the uh, missionaries or what have you um, sacrificially give and they say okay well we want to be a good host, we want to show these individuals that uh, it's important to us that they're here, so we're gonna we're gonna give up our next few meals so that we can prepare a nice meal for them. The other way that we can do this is by giving of our time and our skills. I'm sure each of us in here has been blessed uh, by by God with certain skill set. Some of us are better at certain things than than others. Um, we all have something specific that we're good at. We can give to God by using those. And through that, storing up treasures in, in heaven. Uh, back to the Matthew 6 passage, this is indicated by the fact that uh, Christ says, uh, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Thieves cannot steal your, your gift of uh, your time. They cannot, moths and rust cannot destroy um, your uh, skills that you've given to somebody. Um, I'm reminded of what we've been doing uh, Tuesday nights with the men in the community building. Um, those are things that can store up treasures in heaven if done with the right motive. So, uh, one caveat, however. So, we've read this passage and I, I know that there's been preachers in the past um, that have, uh, and even um, entire denominations that have said, okay, as Christians we need to uh, sell everything we own and we need to take a vow of poverty, we need to eliminate any uh, wealth, any material possessions that we have, um, based on this passage and, and a few others. Um, so what do we do with that? Where is the balance? Well, Jesus is not suggesting a vow of poverty because material wealth itself is not sinful. We have many biblical examples, a few Old Testament ones that I can think of just off the top of my head. We've got Solomon, we've got Job both before his trials and after his trials. Uh, we've got David, they were all very, very wealthy individuals. Uh, another good example would be what God has promised to the Israelites in the Promised Land. Take a look with me at Deuteronomy 6, 10 to 12. When the Lord your God brings you into the land, he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you a land with large, flourishing cities that you did not build, houses filled with all kinds of good things that you did not provide, wells you did not dig, and vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant. Then you will eat and are satisfied. Be careful 
And when you, are, when you eat and are satisfied, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, the land of slavery. So if material possessions were sinful, clearly God would not have provided those to the Israelites uh, upon entering the promised land. There are also a few examples in the New Testament, including Luke chapter 5, 27 to 29, the story of Levi, the tax collector. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. Levi got up, left everything and followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with him. So what do we see in this passage? We see Levi has given up everything and followed Christ. So <clears throat> clearly he didn't get rid of everything. Clearly he didn't sell everything to follow Christ. He kept his principal residence, and it was big enough to hold large crowds. It was also big enough uh, to host a big banquet. They were all eating with him. Christ didn't go to the banquet and say, listen, uh, you can't have any of this. It's, it's all in our motive and how we handle the things. So God is concerned with where our, our heart is. Verse 21 states, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So let's ask ourselves, where is our hope? Are we conceited about the home that we live in? About the vehicle that we drive? Do we think it's nicer than so-and-so's vehicle, so therefore I'm better than they are? Do we think we'll finally be happy when we get that something new that we've been dreaming about? Maybe a new huge television, or for me it would be tools, I think. Um, what motivates us to do the things that we do? What motivates us to go to work? Is it because we want to save up money and buy something that we really don't need? Or is it because we want to be generous? Do we envy those that have more than we do? Those in the next tax bracket? Those that we think are doing things a little more too extravagant? Do we look down on those who have less than we do? Do we borrow money to have the things that we're envious of, the things that we can't really afford? These may be signs that our heart is fixed on treasures on earth rather than treasures in heaven. Let's heed Paul's warning in 1 Timothy 6, 17 to 20. Instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited or to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. Instruct them to be good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, storing up for themselves a treasure of a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of, what, hold of that which is life indeed. Timothy. Guard what has been entrusted to you, avoiding worldly and empty chatter and opposing arguments of what is falsely called knowledge. Uh, on to our lessons. So lesson one, all worth on earth is temporary. And I can go back to these slides afterwards if you need more time to jot them down. Lesson two, our hope and self-confidence is not to be in our earthly possessions. 
Lesson three, as believers, we are not expected or required to take a vow of poverty. Uh, this was exemplified through the verses um, uh, that we, and the individuals that we talked about uh, in the Old Testament, as well as the example of Levi. Um, we should never feel uh, that we need to sell everything that we own um, and uh, take a vow of poverty for, for the sake of Christ. And lastly, being generous to God, both with our finances and with our time and skills, uh, but particularly in this passage with, with our material possessions, is how we store up treasures in heaven. So now I will open it up to dialogue. I'm sure that there's some questions, some pushback. Uh, there was a few things that Andrew and I discussed um, that uh, we figured, okay, this will likely come up and we can clarify these things. Uh, so if anyone has any questions, you're welcome to uh, ask them now.